Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing so you thrive from the intersection of your brilliance and your passion. My name is Adam Homey. I am your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. Our listeners, like you, are business creators. We have our entrepreneurs, small business owners, local business owners. We have the marketing and business coaches, consultants, and mentors. We have the folks who help others create their businesses. And we have the do-it-yourselfers who like to have your own hands on the levers. If you're one or more of the above, and like many folks who tune in every week for fresh episodes, you may be one of the, all of the above, please take a moment, explore our episodes, and discover how we serve you at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to us on platforms such as iTunes. Fresh content every single week. Be sure to subscribe and get immediate access to a significant library of over 250 different interviews covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to business creators just like you. As entrepreneurs, we find that we are sometimes in the eye of the storm, chaos, things come up, a million things going at once, and no matter how much we may believe that we're doing that one thing, it's impossible to have a truly streamlined business unless you do it with intention. And for that, we're going to share with you the core principles of a no-chaos business. To help us understand this, I'm going to introduce you in a moment, Scott Beebe. And let me just tell you about Scott. He's the founder and head coach of MyBusinessOnPurpose.com and the host of the Business on Purpose podcast. He liberates small business owners from the chaos of working in their business and helps to get their lives back by articulating and implementing intentional vision, mission, and values, systems, and processes. With that, Scott, come on in. The weather's fine. Hey, man. Yeah, the weather's fine where you're at. We've got black clouds out the window, but we're going to punch through it just like we punched through chaos. I'm ready to rock and roll, man. You know, we've been having some interesting weather. It's been unseasonably hot, even for Las Vegas standards. Uh, fortunately, I've lived here for five years at this point, and I'm pretty used to it. I'm actually sitting out on my balcony right now. I have my fan going on me. I have a nice, tall glass of home-brewed iced tea, and I have the air conditioner kicking inside. So every hour or so, I go in for a few minutes, hang out with my cats, and re-regulate, and I can pretty much do this all day long. It's one of the blessings of being an entrepreneur. Speaking of oh, blessings, speaking of stories, speaking of blessings, speaking of stories, what I would like to do here at the Business Creators Radio Show, I imagine there are some folks listening right now who have just opened a new browser tab, and they're binging the Googles to learn about this Scott Beebe guy, and what is this MyBusinessOnPurpose.com. So before we get into the core of what we're going to share today on the principles of a no-chaos business, let's take a step back, and if you could tell us a little bit more about your personal and business journey and what's brought you to where you are today, serving business creators from the intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Yeah, you know, Adam, our big thing, and the one thing that we do all day long, what we get up out of bed every morning to be able to do is to liberate small business owners from the chaos of working in their business. Um, it's right. a little bit of what you said before. Uh, it's what uh, most people are in, and we realize it, and we want to help uh, confront that directly. And so how we got into this, um, it's it's a bit of a fragmented blueprint. My uh, adventure in life took me all over the United States. I literally grew up uh, kind of circling the continent uh, as my dad uh, 
expanded into new jobs. He's an engineer, and so we just followed the work around the country. And then I went to the University of South Carolina, and from there I went to theology school, studied theology in Texas, and did uh, did the most logical thing I should do after uh, graduating with a theology degree, and that is I went to work for Pfizer, uh, a, a kind of a global mega national yeah. corporation uh, in pharmaceuticals. I did that for a couple of years, and then I really had a hard time of kind of uh, how do I merge faith and work and all of that. And so a friend of mine asked if I would come and uh, actually work uh, with with the church that we had volunteered with while while I was at seminary. So we did that for a couple of years. And then we started a church out of that church because that was part of their kind of growth strategy in the uh, in the metro area. And so they sent us out to go start a church. And so we did that for a couple of years. And and then I went back to Pfizer uh, because I missed business. Um, and so we did that for a few years. And during that entire time, we'd actually been very active uh, in doing some unique projects in Nigeria, uh, which were still active actually at the time of this recording. Uh, and our time together right now, my wife and our youngest child just landed in Nigeria yesterday. And so they're over there. Wow. Uh, and they're working with an organization that we've actually coached. And what they do is um, they uh, they bring liberation to the voiceless and the exhausted uh, is what they do. And so they spend their whole days through education, through a few different things, and they work over there. So we started working in Nigeria back in 2006. Well, in 2013, the organization we were working with asked if I would come and be the international director of the organization, first one they'd ever had, and I'd helped articulate their vision, their mission and values, and so they needed somebody to lead that and asked if I would leave Pfizer to go do that. So uh, after uh, really laboring through that decision, we uh, ended up leaving Pfizer and, and took that role and for two years lived into that role. And then I got to come face-to-face and to really understand, uh, <laughs> I don't know how you say this, Adam, but really understand the, the reality of boards within nonprofit organizations. And to make a long, yeah. painful story very short, uh, February 27, 2015, uh, one of the nine board members ran an effectual coup d'etat of the board because of how the power structure was set up. We had uh, a Nigerian-based board, an American-based board, and a board of trustees, and he was the head of all three of those. So there was kind of a power fiat there, and uh, and because of that, eight of the nine board members and some things that uh, they had been privy to decided to uh, resign quietly from the board. It was quietly to everybody but me because my role was directly responsible to them, and because they were resigning, uh, they felt that uh, the most responsible thing they could do as outgoing board members was to dissolve this position because they weren't going to be there to help me with this other board member. And so I walked into a Texas boardroom on February 27th uh, as the international director of this organization. I had a visa to go back to Nigeria within a couple of weeks, and I walked out totally unemployed at the age of 39, Ashley and I, wow. uh, with three kids here at home. And uh, like nothing, like nothing. And so um, they were kind enough to kind of put together a little severance landing pad for us. And I took half of that. I hired a coach. Uh, my coach is Aaron Walker. And I'm actually still very much a part of that community, that tribe. Uh, meet with him multiple times a week. And, uh, and through that, Aaron really helped me articulate what we do. And so that's where we got to the point, Adam, where the last three and a half years, we have literally been liberating small business owners from their chaos every day. 
Wow. And, you know, I have a little bit of experience with not-for-profit boards as well um, from the perspective of uh, being involved with boards of directors of professional organizations, which oftentimes carry 501c3 designations. So technically, mm. yes, a non-profit board. Uh, and I have some familiarity with a few things you have going on. Some of the chaos that goes on in professional organizations, <laughs> some of the attempts to regulate that chaos. And before we dive in here, I just wanted to get your thoughts on something, because this is part of my experience. Uh, when you have people get involved with professional organizations to further their career, they're doing it, well, yeah, because they like to hang out with people, they like to network for their next gig or their next job or what have you, but it's also because they want to establish their thought leadership within their professional community, which is great. So what that sometimes translates into is a form of, well, for lack of a better word, egotism, and uh -huh. a need to have your view put forth, and what that sometimes devolves to, in my opinion, is really major squabbles over very minor things. I remember one of the mm. boards I was on, there was a disagreement over who all who, over who the previous presidents of the organization were. Apparently there were, and we're not talking ancient history, we're talking just 10 years before, who some of the leaders yeah. of the organization had been. And one of the things I did as president is when this was being brought up again after there had just been a committee six months ago that had detailed the entire 60-year history of the organization and had come up with an official list of who some of the past presidents had been. And somebody months later decided to chime in and say, oh, no, that wasn't the case. I said, look, a committee voted and said these are who they were. Um, I control the present, so I control the past. Those are your past presidents. Don't bring this to me again. And mm. um, that cause is some of our listeners may be feeling right now a bit of a whoa but yeah. in the situation i saw very quickly that we were going to get into a squabble over something that an entire committee of people had just researched and determined also that this was not ancient history as i said this was 10 years ago so some of the people in the organization had been there 10 years ago and probably had some memory of who those people were mm. i didn't i just didn't want to hear it i mean because we, we were working on events, we were working on another conference, we were working on bringing modern email marketing technology into the organization to bind our members to our activities, and I did not want to take a month out of my presidency to again review a bunch of names of people I didn't even know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and, and it can happen, Adam, with any organization, the bureaucracy can kind of be be birthed into the organization and usually you have to step back and audit and ask yourself why is this in here and a lot of times it is self-preservation uh, and not necessarily the mission which is why the not only the articulation of the mission or the purpose of the organization has to be uh, has to have time spent on it but also the regular revisiting of that mission and when issues like this come up you have to ask yourself is this driving us closer to the mission or is it not and when you have something like that that's very black and white in front of you, and it makes decision-making so much clearer, not easier, but clearer. Right. And I think that might be a good place for us to actually start. Uh, I mean, we hear of mission statements, and some folks who start entrepreneurial ventures say, do we really have to do this mission, vision, and goal stuff? I argue right. that it's essential, but at the same time, is it essential we need to take 
an entrepreneurial type approach to it. So we're looking for something that's active. We're looking for something that's dynamic. We're looking for something that's living, uh, not a bunch of big words that were put together by some committee at some point that said, basically, we coexist within the breadth of human existence to make a positive impact upon the sand. Right, right. So tell us, tell us a better way to do it. Adam, everything that you just said would fall under the umbrella of, say, a keyword of cliché. And here's the challenge with cliché. Cliché in the presence of the human brain acts as a trigger switch. <clears throat> and when a cliché comes out, it's as if it triggers the brain to shut off. And so when I would use a phrase like, hey, another day, and in your mind, your mind would tell you another dollar. And you would just fill in the back right. half of that sentence with your head. Well, what you do is you shut it off. You've really not thought about the depth of that statement. Another day, another dollar. Or an apple a day, and then you can fill in the rest. Keeps the doctor away. The and doctor what we do away. is we, yeah, we rhyme the sentence in our head, and we laugh about the rhyming aspect of it, and we never think about the, the actual meat of the statement. And so it's true with mission statements. Here's typically what happens. I'm not going to give you an example because you gave a perfect one of how blasé they can be uh, and really quite quite meaningless they can be. And what happens a lot of times is team members will roll their eyes. They'll be like, oh, I don't want to do another one of these. I did one of these before. It sits in a, in a binder on a shelf. And the reason it sits in the binder on a shelf is because nobody ever takes the binder off the shelf. The only value that we get from an automobile is when we turn the key on and push the gas pedal. The only value that you get from a mission statement is when you open the binder up or you pull up the website or you do whatever and, and you review the mission statement. You asked me what I do, and I responded to you with my mission statement. We liberate small business owners from the chaos of working in their business. That's our mission. Yep. It's, it's not, that's not a tagline. Like, that's what we do, but, Adam, really what we do is we, you know, we, we bring the world's unicorns together for, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And so, no, 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 that's what we do. And when somebody asks what we do, I'm not going to go into the technical aspects of that. Simon Sinek talks about that beautifully. I'm not going to say, well, what we do is we sit down with small business owners from $250,000 to $5 million in annual real revenue. And what real revenue is, is, and then go, I've lost you at that point. Instead of sitting down and saying, hey, Adam, what we do is liberate small business owners from their chaos. Now the onus is on you to either respond back to me and go, oh, that's cool. Or, well, Scott, how do you do that? And typically, when you've got a mission statement that's beyond the technical aspects of what you do and really gets to the heart of what drives you out of bed in the morning, there's not a human soul on the face of the earth that doesn't have just darkness and bitterness in their mind that's not going to ask you the how. And so when you respond, right. and 98% of the times when we respond with, we liberate small business owners from their chaos, people go, oh, well, how do you do that? Then we dive into the technical aspects of what we do. And that's what a powerful mission statement can be. We've got some rules. It has to be less than 15 words because if it's not memorizable, then it's not useful. And so it's got to be portable. It's got to be memorizable. It can't have a cord associated with it. I've got to put it in my pocket and on a T-shirt and on an invoice and a receipt and the heading line of an email. I've got to move that thing everywhere. And so oh, right, we right. liken – we liken the mission statement to uh, moonshine. And so I live in the southeastern part of the United States. I've never drank moonshine. Uh, I've seen it, 
I've never drank it, but I've also heard it packs a massive punch. But I saw on TV <laughs> one time how they, how they make it. And this is what fascinated me and aligned it metaphorically with a mission statement. So apparently they get a big 55-gallon drum of, I don't know what goes into it, but they call it mash. I don't know what the ingredients are, but it's mash. And so they have this drum of mash, and they heat this mash up, and it goes through a series of heating and cooling and heating and cooling. And then there is an evaporative drip, and that drip is the moonshine. So you've got 55 gallons worth of mash that comes out bloop, one drip at a time. Now, again, I've never yeah. drank moonshine, but I've heard that if you, uh, if you put a little dab in your mouth, it will light you up like jet fuel when moonshine's, when moonshine's really done right. That's what I a mission attest, statement I, is. I can attest to it. Scott, I can attest to it. Um, first and last time <laughs> I've experienced it, but you're absolutely right. Well, I, that's, that's how a mission statement should come across. You've got a lot of keywords. You've got a lot of thoughts. You've got a lot of culture. You've got a lot of experience. All that goes into a bucket of mash. Then we put it under the heat, and it comes out a drop. And, man, when a drop goes into somebody else's ears, when they hear about your mission, it ought to light them up to make them go, wow, how do you, how do, how do, you do that? That's what a mission statement needs to be. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, if you've been – obviously you've been listening because you're here. Uh, but you've probably heard me few, say a few times so far just in the 15 minutes or so we've been together – Win at the game of business and marketing. Thrive at the intersection of your brilliance and passion. I have to go back and count uh, all the, the, the words in our full mission statement. It's probably right around 15 or so, but I'll say that phrase several times on every episode of Business Creators Radio Show. I'll mention frequently yep. in the emails I send to my subscribers. When I go inside my Business Creators Forum and I do the Facebook Live events to educate my audience, I'm saying that phrase over and over and over again to link – Whatever I'm sharing that day or that week inside that Facebook Live or in that article or what have you, and checking myself to make sure that the tactics, the strategies, the stories, whatever it is I'm sharing, come back to, we help you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from the intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Uh, I say some of it goes into naming your company as well. I mean, you have the company mybusinessonpurpose.com. That, t that tells me about, for lack of a better word, purpose. We call our company mm -hmm. the Business Creators Institute. We also have the Business Creators Radio Show. We have the Business Creators Forum Discussion Group on Facebook. Uh, we have uh, other lines of business that have the word business creators in them. And where we came up with business creators is when I conceived this idea back in 2012, it was originally going to be a, it was really going to be an online store for downloadable courses, and then we moved in a different direction. It became actual coaching and consulting because our market showed us through their spending actions that they wanted coaching and consulting, so we rolled with it. And originally it was going to be called the Business Builders Institute. Now, this is 2012, and this is a nonpartisan statement. I'm simply repeating what happened. Right around the time I started saying Business Builders Institute, uh, President Obama said that entrepreneurs did not build that. Regardless mm. of what context you believe that was said in, what it did to search engine rankings on pretty much every search engine was if you started typing stuff like business builders, articles about that came up. So wow. we changed builders to creators. We did a search. We found out there were no other business creators institutes out there. We did a trademark search. We couldn't find anything that we could view as possibly competing with us, so we went ahead with Business Creators Institute. 
But again, it's the same thing, business creators, entrepreneurs, people who create businesses. So we thought about that in the name of the company as well. Well, yeah, embedding that stuff, it goes back to that drip, that drop. It's really going to take notice, uh, make people take notice and ask questions. Right, right. So uh, that's, that's, that's mission and a little bit about vision. So tell us about values and how they help us experience a no-chaos business. Well, let me give uh, let me give a quick definition of a vision story and then dive into values because I think it'll give greater context. So if the mission right. is what drives you out of bed, what your vision story is and what it needs to be is your vision story has got to be a detailed snapshot of the future of your business. It's got to be a detailed snapshot of the future of your business. And what we do is we withhold that from people. There's a there's a statement in uh, in the ancient text, the Old Testament, in the Jewish text. And it's a prophet, a Jewish prophet named Habakkuk. He's having this conversation with God as it's documented. And uh, he's being a little bit whiny. And God says, write the vision down so that those who read it may run. Adam, the number one, hands down, that we've seen over and over and over again, the number one reason that small business owners are subjected to chaos is because they don't know where they're going. And it's so, so hard to try and get them there. But it's true. And so if a small business owner will write down the, the, uh, the detailed snapshot of the future of their business, and it's usually two and three and four pages of detail of the future of their business, and there are categories they can follow. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you about that later. Then what they have through that vision story is they've got a destination. Now they know where they're going. And the beauty of that, Adam, is that there are some people who don't need to be on that bus. But they never got told where the bus was going, so they're on the bus, and they're causing frustration. They're causing upheaval within the organization, but they don't know any better because they're not sure where the bus is going. And so they're thinking right. in their mind, well, a bus moving somewhere is better than a bus not moving at all, and so I guess I'll hop on this one. And so with the vision, you've got a detailed snapshot of the future that you go back to every month or so and just kind of make sure you're course corrected. Your mission is what you talk about all the time. This is what drives us out of bed. This is what drives us out of bed. Now, your core values are actually what we call our unique core values, not standard core values. Standard core values are integrity, responsibility, blah, 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 blah. We should all have that. Adam, if you're not going to operate with integrity or I'm not going to operate with integrity, then we don't need to be doing business together. And so that's the, that's the, the low, uh, kind of the low bar barrier to entry. And so with the unique core values, I want to know what is Adam value that, frankly, I don't. And it's not that your value is wrong. It's just that I don't value it. And so if you were to fly out here to South Carolina, you might get on our little John boat and the rivers and creeks and get out in the water and go, you know what? I don't like being out here. Does that mean we're wrong for enjoying it? No, no, no. no. We love it. We no. love the water. That's what we live for. But there are a lot of people, they don't want to touch the water. They don't want to go out in a boat. They don't want to swim in these in these murky creeks that we have. They don't want to do any of that. It doesn't mean our value is wrong. It means that's what we value, and it's unique to us. And for small business owners, one of the other left-hand punches that they can give to chaos through this process is not to just go, yeah, we value integrity and responsibility. No, 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 no. We value these three or four things because you start making big boy decisions based on your values when you've got them drilled down to a real unique point. That is that is something very interesting, and I think when we speak about 
who is on the bus and where they are on the bus, and we can talk about other thought leaders that delved into that exact same thing as making sure that all the people are in the right seats and the right people on the bus. I think that applies to both the people who are within your organization, whether it be your employees, your contractors, anybody that supports your business or is involved in your business, but also the clients. Because especially with smaller businesses, one client that is not heading in the same direction you are can derail you. A uh, classic example is, and this is a, a pattern that I used to repeat until I broke my way out of it, is I'd be launching something new. And then the new revenue wasn't coming in as fast as I thought it would. So there are these other old clients that want to do some of the same old stuff, and they're dangling some upfront payments in front of me. And I'm thinking, okay, money in the bank. I've done this 100 times. It'll be easy. But then I forgot about the part where I actually was moving away from doing that stuff for a reason. So while I got caught up with that, my new thing wasn't moving ahead. So what I've learned is if I'm moving in a different direction and the cash flow is not immediately there or I haven't booked all the clients I need to fulfill that line of my business, that, and I find myself in a place saying, you know what, I need a new client. I'm not going to look at all those old folks asking me to do, same, asking me to do the old things. Now, I might like some of those old folks. I might say, this is what I'm doing now. This is how I feel this can help you win at the game of business and marketing and thrive at the intersection of your brilliance and passion. Are you interested in the new thing? If they say yes, then come on in. Otherwise, I'm going and searching for somebody new that's going to go in the direction I'm going. And I've learned the hard way that you have to do that. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Well, it's crucial. And, Adam, once you put those three things together, a detailed snapshot of the future of your business, your vision, uh, the reason of less than 15 words of why you get out of bed every morning, your mission, and then these three, four, or five unique core values. Now what it positions you to do is when you bring on a new hire, the first place you take them, vision, mission, values. Now they know if they're a fit or not because they may run away. Remember, uh, the prophet got told, write the vision down so that those who read it may run. It didn't say what direction they would run. Some might run towards the vision. And some might run away from the vision. But you set them up for success either way if you're honest about the detailed snapshot of the future of your business, why you get out of bed every day, and then also those core values laid out. And then you review the mission and the values every week during a team meeting. Not the vision because it's a little bit more lengthy, but the mission and values, we start our team meetings uh, each week on Friday morning with a little story about how we're living out a mission are living out our mission or a story how this week we either impacted or missed an opportunity to impact on one of our unique core values, and it keeps it relevant all the time. That's a very interesting tactic, and I appreciate you sharing that with us. So I'm going to skip ahead here a little bit because it feels like actually the next natural segue in our conversation is we're about 27 minutes into this here. Very exciting. It's going so fast. Uh, Mission, vision, and values feel like really non-negotiables when it comes to running a small business. So what are mm-hmm. some of the other non-negotiables that you would identify in terms of helping us experience a no-chaos business? So one of the ones I just mentioned is another eye-roller, Adam, that you mentioned earlier, where some right. people look at mission and go, oh, mission. And it is the gift, and I'm saying that right, it is the gift of the team meeting. So once you look at it this way, and many of the folks who are listening are heroic small business owners, and many of them are in relationships, whether they're marriage relationships or just kind of significant other type of relationships. And Ashley and I have been married 20 years. 
uh, but we are nowhere close to writing a book on marriage. We're, we've uh, decided right. we're going to give it another 50 years, and then we might be at the segue <laughs> of being able to, to write an opening chapter on it. But one thing we have learned, this is one takeaway that we have learned and feel pretty confident about. If Ashley and I ceased communication or at very best made it very scattered and unpredictable, we would have problems as a couple. We're very confident about that. If we ceased communication or made it sporadic and unpredictable, we would have problems really quickly. And yet in small businesses, we cease communication and we make it sporadic and unpredictable all the time. And we wonder why in the heck can we not get along and progress towards the mission that we've got. Yeah. The team meeting, and when I say a team meeting, I'm talking about a minimum of once a week for one hour. It's agenda-driven, leader-led. It's got a very specific agenda that incorporates mission and values into it. It incorporates action items into it. And it incorporates five minutes of training on the back end into it. And so if you have all of that in there in your team meeting, you're creating a landscape of predictability. So look at it like this. We call it the seesaw of predictability. On one side of the seesaw is time. On the other side of the seesaw is the question. If you ask a predictable question, at a predictable time, then your seesaw stays balanced and you're good. If you ask an unpredictable question at a predictable time, so uh, imagine, hey, Adam, I need you to get me these sales figures from 2012, but I did it at a team meeting, so it's a predictable time, that's, uh, ba that's bounds for chaos at that point. Now, flip, flip the, the, uh, the seesaw. If you uh, ask a predictable question at an unpredictable time, Hey, Adam, give me last week's sales results, but I, I'm asking you via text on Friday night at 1130. That's a predictable question at an unpredictable time. I have set the seeds for chaos again. And so yeah. team meetings have to happen at the same place, same time, agenda-driven, leader-led, training at the end for five to ten minutes, so we're up to speed on processes, and we're constantly reviewing mission and values. When that happens... There are two diagnostic questions that we ask every small business owner that we have the privilege of being able to talk to. Number one, do you have a vision story written out, documented on a sheet of paper or a digital document? Typically, the answer is no. The second is, do you have regularly scheduled, agenda-driven, leader-led team meetings at least once a week for one hour? And the answer is typically no. Those two questions are the best diagnostics for the health of a small business really fast because if you don't have those two things scatteredness chaos unpredictability will rule the day every time you bring up a couple interesting points here uh, and i cover part of this inside my book which is groundhog day is an event not a business strategy is when it comes to the team meeting and i agree with you on the idea of the weekly team meeting the regular team meeting uh, one of the things that i discovered a long time ago that makes meetings much more effective is everybody on that team plays a role. Everybody on that team is working on something. They have deliverables. They have projects that they're looking to see through. They may need support from us, and they also just sort of need to check in so that we can see what everybody's doing and make sure that everything is aligned with the mission, vision, and goals, as you would say. Uh, one thing I found very effective a long time ago is the team meeting is not a place to give oral reports about what you're doing. I tried this a while ago, and it worked so well. And then every other time I've replicated it, it has made a big difference, is if you're on that team and you are on, on that meeting, 
at least 24 hours before the team meeting, it's necessary to submit a report that covers three things. Uh, what are you working on? Uh, where do you need support from the other members of the team? And what ideas and inspirations do you have to move the business forward in accordance with the mission, vision, and goals? You'll sometimes get a little resistance from that on that because some people will just say, well, I, I don't want to write it down. And we're not asking for you know, a term paper from college. It can be bullet points. Last week, bullet point, bullet point, bullet point. Working on, bullet point, bullet point, bullet point. Where I need support, bullet point, bullet point, bullet point. Ideas, bullet point, bullet point, bullet point, bullet point. They can be sentence fragments. It doesn't even have to be grammatically correct. But the idea is we all see in advance, and when we go around the table, we've all already seen each other's reports, and we can get to the questions we have about those reports. So, like, so Scott, you, uh, you, know, you said you're working on this particular project, and uh, I just uh, I have a couple questions about that. Perfect time to have that discussion because everybody's there. And uh, you need support. So we're all here. Let's talk about how we're going to support Scott. Mm -hmm. The way I found to enforce it is once you implement the policy, if somebody comes to the meeting and they have not submitted a report in advance, you go through everybody else in the meeting first, everybody else. They all take their turn. And you structure the meeting in such a way that you run out of time by the time you get to that person. When they complain about it, you say, look, you didn't submit a report, so I'm just assuming that you're really not doing anything, and uh, whatever you are doing, you're happy-go-lucky on your own, and we're going to see these amazing results you don't need us our help with. And, they, and uh, that quickly rings a bell, and then that person tends to be the one who, going forward, will be most diligent with their reporting and yeah. make the biggest contribution to where the meeting is going, because nobody likes to be left out. And I had a case with one of my clients where we implemented this, and a person did not submit a report, and uh, and they said, uh, oh, oh, I have an oral report. And I said, no, actually, no, here, we don't have oral reports. So uh, we're going to go ahead to Scott here, because it's his turn, and we're going to discuss what he submitted. Yeah. And yeah. same thing. That, that person then came back, and they got very good at playing along with it. And to me, that is part of alignment because what we discover when it comes to meetings committees and groups is you get folks that just like to talk because they want to be seen as making big contributions so they'll add a lot of words in there but how is this really moving us forward and how is this the best use of everybody's time yeah yeah no it it's uh it's an incredibly important addition to the foundation, if you can imagine that your vision, your mission, your values are the, the, the concrete slab of the, of the house that you're building, uh, what your team meetings do is they, uh, they're the studs on the walls that kind of hold the structure together because without that, uh, you, you, you're not going to have a, a, a structure that's going to be able to stand on its own. The communication is so crucially important. And so after the vision is in place, You've got to have the team meetings that then communicates their vision. Because if you know where you're going and you've got a means of communication, you're going to be just fine. And so, you know, we've had right. a couple of hurricanes here in the last couple of years at, at our place. And what uh -huh. I always ask our business owners when we come back, because we have a lot of local clients and heroes that we get to serve. And when we come back, and a lot of times they're frustrated and they're a little bit chaotic. And we'll say, hey, do you have a vision written down? And I know they do because I, I helped them write it. Do you have a vision written down? Yeah. Yes. Do you have a means of communication with your team? Yes. Okay, we're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. 
because you've got those two things in place. Everything else we can rebuild. Um, but that right, right there, you got to start from scratch. I found it's the same thing with clients as well. If you have a client, you should have a weekly meeting with them as well. For my coaching and consulting clients, uh, one of the requirements is we have a meeting every single week. Sometimes that meeting lasts an hour, and truth be told, sometimes it's a five-minute check-in. But the fact is there is a check-in every week. I learned through experience why that's so important. Three years ago, I had this one client who was actually recommended to me by another client. It was a real easy close. And what they were asking for was something that is something that I've done a hundred times. So I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be an easy $3,000 to bank. And, and, uh, then I, and then we got to the point after we closed the deal, and I said, all right, so, so what day and what time each week we having the meeting? She insisted upon, well, I, I don't want to commit to that. Just call me whenever. Okay. Hmm. I let it slide because I was of the mind that this project was going to be done in two weeks anyway. You just heard me say how easy I thought it was going to be. It turned out that her body of curriculum, the stuff that she does in her business, was something that was going to turn out to have a very steep learning curve for me. And also, she didn't really have all her technological pieces together. I mean, she had all this stuff, but it wasn't organized. So I kept getting stalled out because I'd make a move forward, and then I'd get stuck because I needed something from her. And then, uh, you know, you call her, and uh, she's somewhere in another country, and she doesn't have immediate access to what I need. And then she has to ask somebody else, and then somebody else is on their plate, and they get to it when they get to it. You see where this is going, and you also see how the project pretty much fell apart two months later. So Mm. I – did a, I did a legendary service recovery on this and turned them into a wildly satisfied customer, and our project made them a lot of money. So I was very happy about that. But there was a lot of drama that almost ended up with a ripple effect and uh, me having to give back money and having somebody dissatisfied telling other people I know about their negative experience with me. And, uh, you, know, we, you know, I've been back and forth with this person. They may come on board with us uh, later this year for something similar uh, or or, or something that's in our wheelhouse. And what I already know is if we get to that point, because they're welcome back. They're a great customer. I, I love the person. They, 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 they can come back anytime. Uh, and if that happens, I'm going to say, okay, so remember last time when our two-week project turned into a two-month project and everything got delayed? This time we're doing the weekly meeting. It's not negotiable. It's part of what you're paying for. You're getting it. What day, what time? And Absolutely. if they just can't commit to that, then I'm going to have to make the very tough decision that they may not be traveling on the same bus as I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and what's great about that, Adam, is when you lay down those expectations, what you're telling them, and this happens in any situation, whether it's a, a coach with a client, whether it's a, a spray foam contractor with a homeowner, whatever that looks like, what you're doing is you're laying down expectations. You're setting expectations. That's what team meetings do internally. Uh, we encourage people to have setting expectation documents written out. And so when you, uh, when you sign up a new customer, uh, let's say that you're a, a chiropractor, when you sign up a new customer, that you've got a document that says, hey, this is what you can expect from us, and here's what we expect from you and what that relationship looks like. And so when it comes to a point, where somebody's breached that, you can have that conversation. Say, hey, just want to, you know, clarify this is what we agreed on, and uh, based on that, 
it's obvious that that we can't go forward. And I'm not, I'm not mad. I'm not upset. I'm not frustrated. I'm not emotional about it. It's just based on what uh, we've agreed upon. Uh, obviously, we can't move on from here. Or just the opposite. Based on what we agreed upon, we're flying. This is exactly where we both need to be. And so having those setting expectations documents. But, Adam, that kind of leads us into a broader uh, element that every business has got to have. So we've got our vision, mission, values as a foundation. Then we've got our team meetings. Now we've got something that when you look at it on paper, it offers such great clarity and freedom for people. And that's what we call a master process roadmap. And this master process roadmap, I want you to imagine every system and every process that exists within the umbrella of your business is all written out in block form on one sheet of paper. And so once you've got that, think about when you bring on a new hire. Every new hire comes into a business and and subconsciously, they wouldn't dare ask it out loud, but subconsciously they go, huh, I wonder what this place looks like. I wonder how it's structured. I wonder who answers to who. I wonder how we do X and Y and Z. I wonder how they do that. I wonder how they stuff envelopes and how they go to the bank and blah, blah, blah. And so you've got all of these subconscious questions that are going on in the mind of a new team member. When you've got a master process roadmap and it's a clickable roadmap that you can easily build for free in Google Docs or Google Draw, and what you do is you draw out all the boxes. So take, for instance, one of the systems in everybody's business, and that's the administrative system. So we all have an administrative right. system, and under that system is uh, bookkeeping and accounts payable and accounts receivable and office management, et cetera, et cetera. So those are the different sure. kind of roles that take place under there. And then within the, the, uh, the, the accounts payable uh, element or process, it's actually docu- documented out. Step one, step two, step three, step four. And so imagine one sheet of paper where you've got your three or four major systems, administration, marketing, uh, sales, and operations. And then under those are every process that happens within that system. And you've got it all in one sheet of paper. And when you click on that little link in that box, it actually takes you to the document that you've already written out to say, hey, step one, you know, open QuickBooks. Step two, uh, click this button. Step three. And so now when that new team member comes in, they don't have to guess. They don't have to frustrate you. They can do exactly what they're being asked to do according to their job role, another crucial element of small business, according to their job role, but it's laid out step by step by step in this process. I ran into that uh, once, I think about a year and a half ago. We have a specific way that we do webinars around here. Uh, it's, It's a process that I found not only allows you to engage your webinar attendees even before the webinar happens, but it also transforms opt-ins into actual business leads. It's a very specific process, and we lay out all the pages in the funnel the very specific way. If we think about bringing on a new webinar software or a new website software or something like that, the questions we ask are, will it allow us to follow this process? If it doesn't, it's out. And we had somebody come on board who was new, and they set up a webinar. I'd given them all this information, and they basically got back to me with a very basic landing page. It didn't really have most of our elements. And then once the person clicked submit, it said, okay, well, here's your link to listen on Instant Teleseminar. Okay, here are the problems. Where's the Q&A page? Number two, mm-hmm. we weren't using Instant Teleseminar. We were doing video, which means Zoom. Number three, uh, the details page, which comes after the Q&A page, which wasn't even there, doesn't say, here's the link. 
it spells the stuff out. Mm. This is, I mean, these are things that are very important to us because we have a high level of making it Gomer Pyle simple for people to engage with the process and be walked through it all the way through. And uh, when I first saw this, it was uh, it was pretty late on a Friday afternoon, and I was really itching to not have to deal with any of this stuff. And I saw what they sent to me, and, and I, my first reaction was, what the hell is this? Mm. So I had to let that process go through me, and then I had to get back to them. I said, uh, uh, this looks like you used a model that you might use for one of your other clients. This is not how we do it. So I need to ask if you could please go back to the model I showed you and redo this based on that model. Mm. They got it right every yeah. time after that because uh, they the, the prompting that, yes, we had a model, and yes, it's very important. Uh, it's possible with a lot of their other clients that their clients are saying, make me a webinar. But the client wasn't specifying what that process should look like. So the well, think about this too, their Adam. concept, and they just put it together. Go ahead. The nice thing about having that process in place is you said, hey, this is how we do the process. And then you let them go back and try it again. Now, if they went back, tried it again, and still didn't do it, that's great news too because they're essentially telling you, I'm not a great fit for this. And, again, you're not upset with them. You're not mad at them. It's not emotional. They're just telling you, I'm not a great fit for this uh, because I'm not taking the instruction that you're giving me and doing it the way that you want me to do it. And so I'm not a bad person, uh, I, I'm just, and it's not a bad process. It's just I'm not a good fit for this based on that. And so the process – I had a client tell me this about two months ago. Uh, he called me and said he was having a discussion with one of his uh, higher-level team members. And as they were going through it, the team member was really deflecting responsibility based on something that he had kind of let go by the wayside. And finally, the business owner said, hey, I'll just call him Steve. Hey, Steve, I want to let you know I'm not calling you out about this. The process is calling you out. And that's a powerful statement to be able to make. Now, it's one wow. you want to use very, very uh, cautiously, but, but he wasn't mean-spirited about it. He said, I just want to let you know I'm not, I'm not mad at you about this. The process is calling this out in you. And so let's go back to the process because they're a process-driven company. And so when they're a process-driven company and you stake your mission on that, then to be able to bring that up in discussion because you've been reviewing it every week during the weekly team meeting, now it's not out of place for you to go, hey, the process called you out. Now, some people would revolt at that. Oh, my, how could you? But the reality is they talk about that mindset every week. So when he makes that statement, that's okay. That's okay. I see. So in a way, it makes it less a personal thing and more this is how we do stuff around here. This is the mission. This is the vision. This is the goals. Or, you know, this is our process. This is how we do things around here. And perhaps you're not a fit for it. I had a case 10 years ago uh, when I was in a different business where we had a contractor who had come on board, and uh, I'd asked him to handle something for one of my clients, which was this person's job to do. And I kept there kept there just seemed to be way too many delays with it. First, the person was on jury duty. Then they had uh, doctor's appointments. I mean, yeah, we all have jury duty. We all have doctor's appointments. But after a while, it gets to the point where it's like, okay, there's a lot of doctor's appointments and jury duties here. And uh -huh. uh, I 
said to the person, look, the client needs this because we need to move forward on it, and it's holding up this other thing we need to, we need to do. And they got back, and they said, well, I looked at your client's stuff, and I think he's a misogynistic pig, and if this is the nature of people you do business with, I don't want any part of it. And I just thought, okay, thanks, because that client of mine is here. They're part of my client family. Uh, turning a PDF into a Word document and adding some pictures to it uh, didn't require a value judgment on the content of it. But if you're unable for your own reasons, that are your reasons, to separate your personal opinions from your satisfaction from getting the job done, then just, you know, bill me for whatever I'm owed and I'll pay you off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I wasn't emotional about it at all. I just said, okay, well, this one, uh, I really am not going to be called out by my people because they don't like my clients. It just doesn't quite work that way because my clients are my clients and they're here. It, it's just mm-hmm. that simple. Yeah, no, no doubt. Now, when we can make things less personal and more about process within the mindset of business, what it does is it actually allows the relationship to flourish because we can cut through he's attacking me versus the process is what's at stake here. Yeah. Yeah, because the other way I looked at it is, okay, so this person wants to pass value judgments on my client. I got three other people here who, who would love to have that project, so I'll just take it from here and move it over there. And as far as you – well, uh, you have your own reasons. This is not the bus you need to be on. So find the one where the person involves the type of client whose worldview aligns with yours. Well, and we've actually had clients tell some team members, hey, I want to help you find a place where you can go be a fit. This is not a fit for you, but I, I don't want to just kick you out on the street. I want to help you find a place that's going to be a fit for you. And so they'll go through a little process to say, hey, let's set a timeline. Let's look at this and let's – Let's really find a place that's going to be a fit for you. You know, that's, that brings up another interesting point, especially when we talk about employees. And I cover this in my book as well. And I have to give full credit to this to Skip Weissman, the founder of Your Championship Company. Uh, this is something he does with some of his clients. Uh, and he focuses on things like project management and team excellence and those types of things. If you have somebody in your organization, let's say they're an employee, and you find out that they have their resume out, out on the street and they're taking interviews, what is the knee-jerk reaction from the business owner or the employer? They find out that their employee um, has been going out on interviews and has their resume out on the street. Oh, sure. Yes, I mean, there's definitely a knee-jerk of I'm, I'm being kind of undermined in this situation. Right, right. And it's like, okay, well, you disloyal little jerk, I'll fire you, is, is what I've seen yeah. happen, things like that. So here's a different approach that Skip recommends, and I agree with, and I include it in my book, is if you have someone – who's in a situation where they're looking at the grass on the other side of the fence, you say, look, I understand that you uh, need to look out for what's best for you. You need to live your own life. You need to have your success. And perhaps you're not finding it here for whatever reason. So I understand that you need to look out for yourself, and I'm going to support you in that. So if you need to go out on interviews, that's fine. If you're doing job search, that's fine. Uh, If you're going to leave, that's okay, too. But here's what I ask of you. For the time that you're here, you show up every day and give me 100%. When you go, you go. But until then, you give me 100%. And I'll even help you find a job if you need it. But you give me 100% for, for when you're here. And what that tends to do in many cases 
is it causes the person to stay because they look at it and they say, whoa, I didn't realize I was, I didn't realize I was working for a champion here. Oh, okay, so, yeah, okay, so maybe I'll stick around for a little while and see how this plays out. Maybe this, maybe I can work this out, and this is really the place I need to be. I might already be on the greener grass. So by actually giving people the freedom to pursue their interests, they may discover for themselves that their best interests are with you. Yeah. It's a powerful conversation when we breed in intentionality and purpose into what we're doing. Uh, when we just kind of leave things to chance and emotion, that's where things begin to spiral out of control and go, go uh, sideways. Very true. All right, so we have about eight minutes here, and I want to give you a couple minutes at the end. So, you know, five minutes here. There's one more thing I want to cover, and I think it's very key, and it will be a great way to tie all this up. You mentioned in your teachings the four steps to business freedom. Could you walk us through those? Yeah, step one Super, super straightforward. It's the mission, the vision, and the values, getting that straight. Step two is right. we build out a sequence of roadmaps. And these roadmaps are crucial, just like they are on any, any drive across the country, is you've got to have these roadmaps. And uh, some of those roadmaps that we put in, into place that you can then lay out uh, are what bring real clarity as the adventure and the journey is kind of going on. And so uh, a couple of those roadmaps that we have, obviously, after we've got the um, after we've got all, all the foundations set down. Number one is setting up what we call the profit roadmap. Uh, it's based on Mike McAllowitz's Profit First. If you've not read that, you have to read it as a small business owner. And we uh, help our small business owners set up their initial five bank accounts. Essentially, it's the Dave Ramsey financial model for for uh, for home, but for business, sure. and it's digital. And so it's really really crucial. The second roadmap within in that uh, sequence of roadmaps, which is all under step two, is uh, is the non-negotiable weekly schedule. And so we've got to get people who are laid out and they're they're being restricted. They're literally putting boundaries around themselves of a weekly schedule because when we get that boundary of a weekly schedule in place, ironically, it frees us up. It completely frees us up to do that. The third roadmap is our delegation roadmap. And this is where a lot of our clients come back, and it's as if the heavens split open when they go through this. We have them write down every single task that they, that they do. They then must rank it according to the energy it, it brings them. Do they like it? Does it suck the life out of them? How much time does it take them? And how much money is that task costing them? We actually put a dollar figure per hour on their time and go through that entire calculation and then the other roadmap is that master process roadmap that I mentioned earlier. Once that's all done, then our step three is we take heroic small business owners and we lay out the org charts, the job roles, and walk them through personality profiling and the hiring process so they can get their people system right. And then finally at the end, we begin to merge in goal setting, culture, all of those elements of running a small business. Here's what we found, though, Adam, is a lot of heroic small business owners they know they're supposed to do goals. They know they're supposed to do bookkeeping. They know they're supposed to do this and that and this and that. They hear about all of that stuff, and somebody will come up. They know they're supposed to do marketing. But people really want to know, what's everything I need to do? Like, I need all of it, and I need all of it on a sheet of paper. And so what we built was a dashboard. It's an entire dashboard built on the back of Trello because instead of building our own, we found people know how to use Trello and something that's already out there better. And so right. we've literally got a like like a pilot in a cockpit. It's your own dashboard to walk you through every element of what you've got to install to run 
a small business and to start punching chaos in the mouth. Wow, punching chaos in the mouth. There's a visual for you. <laughs> yeah, we're. Uh, I'm actually about 40,000 words in. I'm just a few more thousand away from our book, and the working title of the book right now is Conquering Business Chaos, Conquering Business Chaos, because what we've found is that heroic small business owners are suffering under it. And it's sad. It's sad because there's so much freedom that can take place within the context of small business. And small business owners have the opportunity to serve their local communities and do things for people that corporations cannot do. Corporations are great, but they're limited. Where small business owners, yeah, they've got broad scope limitations from a multinational standpoint. But my goodness, the, 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 the mobility they have in contrast to corporations they can do so much on the ground so fast, and that's one of the reasons we're so passionate about serving them. Oh, wow. See, that, that in itself is very, very, very powerful. And I think when we put all this stuff together, what we're seeing is really just building a framework around the business, building uh, a mansion on the foundation, if you will, that helps us to contain the business and keep the chaos out by creating order within. That's what I'm really getting out of our time here together. Yeah, that's exactly right. You've got to have a framework. The, the reality, Adam, is we wake up. One of the reasons we love our smartphones, we love our computers, is because it's everything in a box. It's everything that we want to do True. kind of all corralled in a box. And small business owners, when you start a small business, nobody's there to tell you, hey, did you set up dates to pay your quarterly taxes? Hey, did you set up oh, bank yeah. accounts to, to funnel your money through and to, and to help with all that? Hey, did you set up your marketing program to help you? Did you set all that up? I don't, I'm not an expert on any of that, but what we've done is we've taken every element of, of running a small business and kind of put it into a package, even down to the legal documents. We don't have the actual legal documents, but we've got a checklist for heroic small business owners to say, hey, have you thought about a power of attorney? Have you thought about operating agreements? Have you thought about overall estate planning, what that looks like? Those are the things that small business owners feel the weight of, and frankly, it's what keeps us up at night. Wow. Wow, that, that's something. So you mentioned uh, earlier that you had a little something for our listeners. Why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, so what we did, instead of um, documents are great, free downloads are great, what we decided to do is actually take one of the uh, tutorials that we actually use in coaching. So we're taking small business owners through this tutorial every day. It's the first step that they go through when we have the privilege of being able to serve them with coaching. And it's literally how to draw out your vision story. So that we talked about earlier, it's seven categories that we have you walk through. The term, the financial category, your family and freedom. Uh, what does your team look like? What does your product look like? All of those. And so we literally took that tutorial and the template in its entirety. We've taken nothing out of it. And we just put it up uh, on our website that people can go if they're willing to put in the work, which is going to take about two to three hours, that's your compensation to the project. Our compensation to the project is we just give it away for free. And so if you go to mybusinessonpurpose.com forward slash vision, forward slash vision, then you can get access to that. And as soon as you put in your email, we don't send you a bunch of emails after that. It pops right up. Like if you're ready to do it, you can go to mybusinessonpurpose.com forward slash vision right now. And within 30 seconds, you could be on that tutorial with the template and uh, and doing your homework, doing the thing you need to be doing right now, the number one thing that small business owners need to be doing, that's writing out their vision story. 
Absolutely. So mybusinesspurpose.com forward slash vision. Scott Beebe, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor and an education. Adam, thank you so much. And just one thing, it's mybusinessonpurpose.com. Okay, if I goof that up, my bad. All right, so uh, this is Adam Homey, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please check out our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing so you thrive from the intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.